How I love your word, how it lights my path, how it guides my way. This is Paul addressing King Agrippa. Consequently, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. And so having obtained help from God I stand to this day testifying both to small and great stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. That the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he should be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. And while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. And Agrippa replied to Paul, In a short time, you'll even persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. And the king arose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with him, with them. And when they had drawn aside, they began talking to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to have this opportunity um, just to be together. I know I said it, I think, last time I was here, but it's so wonderful, isn't it, to be able to worship together in the same building, to hear one another's voices, to encourage one another, to remind ourselves we're part of a body, his body, and he's flowing amongst us. And we need it. We need encouragement, don't we? We need it in this world we live in, uh, where there's all kinds of uh, messages and threats about the future and anxiety about uh, what might happen this year. Even this week has been so much said We need these opportunities where we draw encouragement and strength from each other. Um, The Lord's given us to one another, so let's take every opportunity, shall we, to meet together to encourage and strengthen each other uh, because the Lord is committed to us and wants to show us he's committed through one another. And so let's receive that today, shall we? Well, I feel like the Lord's already been saying what's on my heart to say as we've been worshipping and as Martin's been leading us. And so you can turn, if you want, to Acts 26, if you've closed uh, your Bible. We've got the second half of this chapter to look at today, which we've already had um, read to us. 
And to just remind you, um, we had last week the opportunity uh, to look at Paul's incredible experience of coming to realise that there is a God uh, and there is a God to bow the knee to and there is a God to serve and a God to worship. And we had that story as Paul shared it with lots more detail um, about what happened on that road to Damascus and that incredible experience that Paul had. And um, we now have, um, following that, so if you let your eye glance, you can see that, that he is recounting that experience on the road to Damascus and the incredible commissioning that God gave him. But just remind ourselves that Paul here, this humble servant of the living God, is now in this moment stood before the representatives, if you like, of worldly ambition, of also a very morally corrupt family of the Herods. I'm sure it was laid out for you last week um, that where the family line of King Agrippa as it goes back is pretty threatening. There is very little time for the people of God, for people of righteousness. There's um, murder and murderousness in the family line and Paul would have known all of that. And so maybe it's interesting that Paul also had commented on how he himself had had that murderous spirit, that passion, that kind of fervour at one time and how he'd come and met the living God. And then we come to these verses and um, there are three things on my heart I want to share with us today before we respond. And so the first is there in that um, verse 20 where it says that he was continually proclaiming, Paul said, I'm continually proclaiming to those in Damascus first, in Jerusalem, and then all the regions of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they are to repent and to turn to God, performing deeds consistent with repentance. And I found myself asking the question as I was preparing this, what have I been continually speaking about recently? And um, I, that may be a threatening question, so I thought I'd um, apply it to myself first and foremost. But maybe we take a moment as we're listening this morning. It's in the context of our lives. What are we continually speaking about? What are the continual threads of the things we like to talk about, the things we like to take, if we get an opportunity, we get a listening ear, what are the things we like to bring forward um, continually? They come up again and again. For, for Paul, there was a continual theme that kept rearing its head again and again and again. And, you know, dare I say, it wasn't his particular view on the uh, politics of the time or on society, the thing that kept continually coming out of his mouth, the thing that he kept bringing back was this message of Jesus and what he had done and what he had encountered in him. And this message, first of all, what was this message that he continued to speak? Well, the first thing we're told, it was about repentance. It was a message about turning towards God, a message about changing your mind, turning from one direction to another direction. And Paul makes it very clear here that the kind of repentance he's talking about is a turning, a changing of your mind from one direction, not just to being open to anything, but turning to God. <laughs> a true repentance, getting a different vision, a different passion, a different direction, and it's in the face of God that he had found it. And that is the kind of repentance he was talking about, that changing of direction, a turning towards God. 
And then he said that his message was, to, was appealing that there would be deeds consistent with repentance. So what he was saying was, it's not just that my message was a turning to the face of God. But then he was saying, I'm from that place. Let there be something that comes out of people's lives that is a fruit that looks different lifestyle than what they had before. A different kind of person starts to walk forward. It's not just a kind of turning to a new philosophy or incorporating a new idea into your already mix of ideas and thoughts about your life. This is a turning to the face of God. And from that revelation of God and who he is flows out a different kind of fruit, a different kind of lifestyle. And that is the story of so many people around the world today. I wonder if it's your story. That that is what happened for you. That's what happened in your life. That there was a moment when you realised that actually the direction you were going in was not bringing the answers, was, was actually dark and shadowy. And someone spoke to you or the Lord drew you and you saw in Jesus, this is God. And from that place, a different life has flown from your life. And the, the Bible, the fruits the Bible talks about is about peace and love and joy and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. A different kind of spirit in a person starts to flow out. And I've been reading and listening to some testimonies, some stories recently of people's stories of encountering and repenting and turning. And really what Paul's talking about here. And as you've really shared this morning in your testimonies, they're very ordinary in some ways, but very profound. I was listening about one man who is a, a buys property and sells property. That's the, what his life has been about. And um, he enjoyed it and he was very good at it, made a lot of money. And then one uh, day his uh, child was diagnosed with quite a serious illness. And it, it threw him completely. All of a sudden the direction he'd been going in had no answers. And they had, um, his wife had a couple who he, she was friends with. And they had a meal with them. And these friends were Christians and said to them, um, actually, I, I, we, we will start praying for you. And if it's okay, we will actually tell our church, if that's all right, we would like to pray for your child. And he said he was very moved by what they said, but particularly moved that the wife, as she was talking, started to weep. And he was thinking, what is this that she, she hardly knows me, hardly knows the child. What is this emotion all about? He was very moved by it. And uh, they carried on taking the child for appointments and there came the day where they had the wonderful news that the child was totally well and had been, was healthy and well and been really totally delivered from this diagnosis. And he said he knew immediately that what he should do is go to the, those friends' church and to thank them for praying. And so he went to the church and he said, I dis all I can describe to you is that when I left that place and listened to all that they said and shared, as I left, my wife had a different husband. She could hardly recognize me. What he was describing was he had turned and he got a vision and faced God and saw the beauty and the wonder of who God is. And from that, something had started to change in his life. And he knew he was a different person, that his wife had to get to know a different man. There was a different motivation, a change in him. And, you know, even a couple of days ago, I was talking to a young man and um, he must be about 18 or 19 and he's not yet given his life to Jesus. Um, 
But he said, told me that this morning he was going to go to church and talk to a particular person and do it. So I'm really praying he does. Um, but as I was speaking to him and sharing with him and talking to him, at the end of all his questions, he said to me, do you know what? I've just started to think that what could be better than living my life with a good God in it? He said, I've started to think. Well, he started to see. He started to turn. He had a place where he could express his ideas and thoughts. He was listening. He's starting to get a vision. He was repenting and turning towards the living God. And we believe what's going to flow in his life is the fruit of that. That turning and finding the living God. And this is what Paul had given his life to declare. This is what kept surfacing for Paul uh, with people who were great and mighty and people who were very lonely. What kept surfacing? What was the message? It was the wonder of Jesus. And right at the centre in verse 23, we see the resurrection of Jesus was the light. It's the hope. It's at the centre of his message that there is hope. There is a way forward. And this is what he had given his life to declare. And as Martin reminded us, actually, uh, this message we know is not just Paul's. All of a sudden, this message has surfaced and Paul is the only one declaring it. It goes right back. When we see Jesus, um, in Matthew 4, verse 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His message as well was, Turn and look in the face of God. Look in, look deeply. There is something worth giving your life for. There is a vision to get hold of and it's going to change you. You're going to discover that there's a kingdom right at hand that you can touch and reach and lay hold of this incredible message. Peter had the same message. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It didn't just stop at repentance, that you will receive something new. You're going to receive forgiveness. There's going to be a washing and a cleansing of the past, but actually you're going to receive a gift and it's the Holy Spirit. The kingdom, the Holy Spirit, the fruit is going to start to flow in your life of this new, wonderful life that you are um, engaging with and laying hold of. And this was Paul's message, no new message, the same flow that, flew, that flows throughout the whole of scripture that was flowing through the life of Jesus and now flows out through Paul, um, this message of the truth of Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus himself said in Luke 3, 3 verse 8, Therefore, produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. It's the message of Jesus. He also declared it to those who were in spiritual positions of authority that it was not enough to just say you had repented. You needed to actually let that be evidence, let it flow out, because this is the good news. That is the message, that is the hope. So we see the content of what kept emerging continually for Paul, but also where he was declaring it comes out. And I don't know if it was ringing in your ears when you read that Paul was at Damascus first, then Jerusalem, then the regions of Judea, and then the Gentiles. Whether the verses from Acts 1 verse 7 and 8 were ringing in your ears as the disciples recalled the words of Jesus, which was this. But he said to them, it is not for you to know periods of time or appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority, but you will see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. 
It's the same flow. It's going to go out. There is a context and it starts where we are. And then whether it's through us or through others, it starts to go out to the ends, the far ends of the earth. This incredible message we've been given. It, there is a place for it to be spoken. There is a message to speak and there is a place to speak it. And I feel like the Lord wants to um, bring that to the surface today as we're going to respond in a moment. Before we do, we can't really, um, we don't really want to finish without thinking about Paul's confidence, do we? Who is this person here, Paul, with such wisdom and confidence to speak in this setting? I've been speaking over the last few weeks in different congregations and again and again just um, remembering the pressure that can come when you have to give a defence of yourself. Don't know if you've ever had to do it in public. Um, you may have had to do it even with a family member or someone else. Give an account for yourself. Explain why you did something you did. And you feel the pressure, don't you, to find the words, to put yourself across, to maybe be a bit emotional, but not too emotional. How do you do it? There's huge pressure here. But we see an incredible grace and truth flowing through how Paul speaks. Because we know he's interrupted, isn't he, at one point? Um, interrupted, told you're a bit, in, you're insane, Paul. What on earth is going on here? He's interrupted. And then there's a bit of dialogue that goes on. And John Stott wrote about this scene, um, a man who wrote um, about so many books in the Bible. And I just want to read to you um, his way of phrasing what happened in this scene. It goes like this. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. The court gasps. Has any prisoner ever before presumed to address his royal highness with such impertinence? Agrippa, too embarrassed to give Paul a direct answer to a direct question and too proud to allow him to dictate the topic of their dialogue, he takes evasive action and an ambiguous counter question. Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? The court gasps again. This was a clever repost by which the king regained the initiative. A murmur went around the audience as people discussed exactly what he meant. A trivial jest, a bitter sarcasm, a burst of anger, grave irony. How will Paul respond? I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. With these words, Paul lifts his hands and rattles the chains which bound him. He was sincere. He really believed what he was talking about. And I was thinking about the wisdom of Paul, that he is able to address something to a person, but then in the right moment, he also makes it a broad issue. He doesn't get too intense or too with one person. Then he broadens it um, to actually anyone. I would love anyone to respond to this um, without these chains. And I was thinking for a little bit, and maybe for us to think ourselves, that even though Paul is in physical chains, his voice is not chained. His voice is not restricted. There is a freedom that Paul has to think and to be able to speak directly, but also generally with incredible truth and wisdom in this very pressured setting. And I was thinking, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise that Jesus gave, as you know, in Luke 12, that the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that moment. That those of us who are seeking to keep bringing to surface, the surface, the message of the good news of Jesus, 
There is a confidence we can have by the Holy Spirit in those moments that as we lean into him, he will enable us to speak and he will enable us to speak directly and then to speak generally, to have the wisdom of God in those settings. What an incredible promise. Paul able to speak to both small and great. He was able to share the heart of God for all people, um, whoever they are. And such boldness, such freedom, not daunted by governors and kings and those with position in the world. His message was the same and God gave the wisdom for him to be able to present it. And so I was thinking for us today, very simply, really, what is, again, the message that keeps surfacing in our lives? You know, life can be very pressured and there can be lots that goes on around us, particularly if we're soaking in the news and we're soaking in social media and we're soaking in all the opinion around us, there can be themes that start to become the most spoken about themes in our lives. And I felt the Lord was wanting today by his grace and by his Holy Spirit to remind us that we are hugely privileged people. We have received this message. We have experienced this message We know the truth. There is a God we can look to, we can turn to, and he will release through us his fruit. He has changed our lives. This good news will go out to the whole earth and then the end will come. And this is what he is calling us to surface in our lives again, to where it has become chained up, where it's become restricted, where we feel no freedom to speak, where almost the chains we may feel around ourselves, our inadequacy, our work environment, our particular family, our particular circle of friends, our particular street and neighbours feel like a chain around us, that the Lord wants to show us today that does not need to be a chain on your voice, on your expression, on who God is. There is a freedom he wants us to live in. And I love this phrase right at the beginning of that passage that Paul was able to say, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I wanted to say to myself and to us today, do we remember the vision? Do we remember the vision we received when we first came and gave our lives to Christ? Also, do we remember the vision of where he commissioned us? where we started to get excited about what God wanted to do in our lives and in the world, where we knew that he wanted to use me. He wanted to use me, wanted to get hold of my life. Do we remember the prophetic word we received? Do we remember the experience of his love and grace when we knew God wanted to use me? Let's, not, let's be faithful to the vision. Let's allow it to surface again in our lives. And if we dare... Allow ourselves to ask the question, oh Lord, what am I continually speaking about? Lord, where are the arenas you have for me to speak? It's so easy to become sidetracked. It would be so easy for Paul to have become sidetracked when we think about what he's been going through in these passages we've been looking at. To become frustrated, to become um, consumed with the injustice of his situation. But even there, what comes out is this good news message that is for all mankind and that he has given his life for. And what I'd like us to do is I've just got a, it's a new worship song that um, I've been listening to and I thought was so relevant today. And I'd like us to take a few moments to just reflect on our own lives about what words the Lord wants to put on our tongue 
how he wants us to speak, how he wants us to open our mouth again with faith and expectancy, that we see people turning to him and see the fruit of that in their lives. But I also realise as we listen to this song that for some of us, we may need to just receive his word afresh. That where in some ways it's become dim and distant or very faint, we just say to him, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Turn again to you, to your calling on my life, to your word over my life. I want to receive the power of your word. But Lord, I want to start to speak it again with a new authority, with a new confidence, with a new wisdom like we see Paul doing here. So Leslie's going to just put this up for us. Let's take a few moments as you just listen to these words. Let's talk and pray. And then maybe I could just pray at the end. Is that all right, Mark? Let's just allow, I'm sure people have maybe been coming to our minds even if we're listening. Lord Jesus, let's think about those closest to us. And then think about the different circles of people going out, going out that we interact with. Maybe even in our imagination, our minds, I see us speak, see yourself speaking the name of Jesus to them. Those who are downcast, those who are depressed, those who need hope, those who've lost their way. Lord, we just resist every strategy of the evil one to silence our voice. Lord, every strategy, every discouragement, every disappointment, Lord, every bit of lockdown that has sought to lock up our voice. Lord, in Jesus' name, we want to speak freedom, freedom over our voices in the name of Jesus, that we are a people that can speak and speak in your name and speak this good news and declare it and can find the right words at the right time in the right spirit to speak your name, your truth, using people like us to let the good news of Jesus go out into this whole world by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, light that fire afresh in our hearts today by your Holy Spirit. Lord, that we might be those that continually bring to the surface the goodness of God, the truth truth of who you are, the call uh, to turn because there is a God you can look to, a God of life, of love, who's worth living for, who can change your life and your circumstances. Oh Lord, I pray let that fire burn afresh in us. Lord, rise us up, Lord, as your people at this time with your word on our lips. This week, Lord, I pray that each of us who know you may have the opportunity to speak the name of Jesus to at least one other person. Lord, that you would make us alert and aware to every opportunity you're giving us, Lord, whether it's with a family member, a friend, a neighbor, in the shops, or wherever we are, Lord, unexpected opportunities as well as expected ones in our workplaces. Oh Lord, may we carry this good news out into the whole earth, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.